Let's say thank you again to Brother Scott for coming to be with us. God bless you, brother. So you've heard the call of our brother from First Baptist Church Waverly, one of our sister churches, and we'll do our part as we always do. First Baptist always comes through, and so you'll need to pray about what your part will be. This is a very important ministry need in our community. Many of you know people and are, that have been affected by uh, what's happened in Waverly, a devastating issue, and we'll do our part. So now, First Baptist Church, we step up, we do what God calls us to do, and uh, to the glory of God. Find your place in Hebrews chapter number 10. Good to see all of you this morning. If you're a guest, I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you. If you're listening to us online, may the Lord bless you. And we pray that you can be back with us soon. Uh, pray for our teenagers. We have many. We have almost 100 uh, with Tim coming back from uh, uh, camp this weekend. So pray for their safe arrival and uh, for them to be back. And we're excited to hear what's happened in their time away with the Lord. I stand before you today to declare again my testimony of my hope in God. I'm, this is my personal testimony as your pastor. I hope that it will encourage you. I hope it will be an example to you as you stand among those who uh, God places you, that you can also give an account of the hope that is in you. If you are saved, you have hope in you because of Jesus Christ. You are a hopeful one in God, you are not a hopeless one in the world. The difference between those of us who know Jesus Christ and those who do not is our faith in Jesus Christ that leads to great hope. So my first word of testimony to you is this. I hope in God regardless of the circumstances of my life and all that goes on in the world because I am born again. As Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Because I am saved and because Jesus Christ died for my sins and is alive and rose from the dead, I have great hope and expectation in Him. My second word of testimony was last week. I hope in God because of the trials that come in my life. I hope in God because of them, not in spite of them, because of them. As we learn from Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 5, we exalt in tribulation. We exalt in tribulation. He's speaking to believers in Jesus Christ. We exalt in tribulation knowing that our tribulation, our troubles, produces endurance. And endurance proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope is never a disappointment because the Holy Spirit has poured out the love of God in our hearts. So today I continue my testimony for you today, and it is this, that I hope in God because of God's promises. I hope in God because of God's promises. And that brings us to a wonderful word from the book of Hebrews. As Paul wrote to these Jewish believers some of whom had lost all their, all their property had been confiscated, all their property had been taken because they named the name of Christ. They associated with those who were believers who were in jail during these days. And some were thinking about quitting. Some were considering just giving up. What's the use of following Jesus if it's going to be this hard? 
And the book of Hebrews is written to focus our attention on the fact that Jesus Christ is greater than anyone, anything. And because of that, and because he is our living high priest, we can have hope in him. So Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read beginning in chapter 10, verse number 14, and then we'll read through verse 25. Before I read all of that, the focus, my real focus will be verse 23. I have it here for you on the screen. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. I'll read it again. This is one of those calls to us who are followers of Jesus in this room, regardless of your circumstances today. I say to all of you, very mindful of all the different things that are going on in your lives, and in my life, but remember what the Word of God says. Here is a, here's a call for all of us. Here's a call for us in our hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now we read the context, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, by one offering, the offering of himself on the cross, for by one offering, he has perfected for all time. Please notice what the word of God says. For he himself has, perf has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, or this is the promise, this is the agreement I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart and on their mind, I will write them. He says, he then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, where there is forgiveness of our sins, brethren, brothers and sisters, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, now he draws some conclusions. Because of these wonderful promises, I'll make more about this in just a moment. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us, this is what we must do, because we have all of these blessings, because we have his promises, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now our focus for today, let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. And may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have more confidence today. I have more hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and expectation in Him regardless of my current trials. And I have them just like you do. 
regardless of the circumstances of this world. I live in the same world you do. I have greater hope. I have more hope today. This is my confession. In the Lord Jesus Christ than at any time in my life because, here's my, again, my focus. Because of God's promises. Because a God who speaks is a God who promises. Because the God who so loved the world sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who spoke to us the very words and promises of God so that we might believe and have eternal life. Today I talk to you about the great and glorious gospel promises that are ours as a result of living in the times in which we live. And I have three observations that come from verse number 23. Keep your Bible there to chapter 10 because I want to tie some of the other things we read together to these. This is an expansion on my confession. I'm using these three words to describe these three lines to describe. So how is it that you can say, or what does it look like, Pastor Mike, for you to say that you have hope in God because of the promises of God? Well, number one, I hope in God firmly. My hope in the promises of God, I firmly confess, I firmly confess my hope in God because of these promises. So I hope in God firmly confessing. I do it with assurance. I do it with expectation. And I have allowed these promises, these gospel promises, to become personally mine. So I hope in God, assuredly confessing that God has given His promises to me. I am standing before you saying that I believe that the gospel promises that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us and that the apostles have taught to us in the New Testament are for me. And I have received them and accepted them as for me. And because of that, I live with a firmness, a steadiness in my life, regardless of all the things that push and, and drag me and pull at me. I hope in God firmly and I confess my confidence in His promise. I hope in God assuredly confessing that God has given His promises to me. And I hope in God expectantly confessing. I believe something's coming. I'm excited about it. I know it's coming because I know the God who makes the promise. And I know the God who makes the promise and I know how dependable and reliable and faithful He is. And because of that, I live with glorious, wonderful expectation regardless of what's going on in my life because God is faithful to keep His promises. That's what we talk about here for a few moments together. I say this to you again because I am so disturbed as a pastor seeing those who seem to walk around in such gloominess who call themselves Christian. Who seem to be living their life in despair and depression rather than standing on the promises of God by faith and living with joyful hope. It is God's design that you be a hopeful one in a hopeless world. That's part of what the Lord meant when He said, let your light shine. That's part of what Peter was saying when he said, you give an account to those who ask you of the hope that's in you. When they see you and you say you're a Christian, people see you, they see something different. They hear, they hear a different tone in your words. 
They see a different look in your eyes. They feel something that's different in you that is hope. You see, in verse number 23, it is the confession of our hope. I've said this to you repeatedly. I say it to you again today. Hope confesses what faith in God believes. Hope in God confesses my faith in God. I've said this to you repeatedly and I'll continue to say it. When you know who God is through the Lord Jesus Christ revealed in the Word of God and you learn His ways and you learn how God works and who He is in His divine glorious perfections, when you know who God is, you will trust in God. And when you trust in that God that you know who's revealed to us from the Word of God, you will put your hope your assured expectation in Him regardless of what is put in your life day by day. That's the way the Christian lives in the world. That doesn't mean we're giddy and silly and we act foolish. Hopelessness is not giddiness and silliness. Hope is confident assurance and expectation that God will come through no matter how long I have to wait. I wait with expectancy on my Lord who will come again. And in the meantime, I live off the gospel promises. Now that's my testimony to you today. That's the way we talk. That's the way we live in this world. Let's talk a little bit more about this holding fast, our confession of hope. Verse 23, let us, now I ask you to join me. I'm asking you to join me. Let us Verse number 22, draw near. Let us, verse 23, confess our hope without wavering. 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another. I'll talk about this in, in a moment. And let us keep going to church together. Let us. So I ask you, my brothers and sisters, let us. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering. This is an interesting word, this Greek word that is used here, hold fast. It's two words in English. It's one in the Greek language. It is the word that describes, it's actually a, a nautical word. It's a word that describes what a, what a captain does or the ship driver does. The ship, one who's guiding the ship, holds the ship steady. It's not turning to the right and the left. It's a steady path through the waters regardless of the circumstances of the waters that the boat finds itself in. Some of you are being pulled by a lot of things, aren't you? The storms seem to be raging. In fact, from last week to this week, more storms, more trouble, more intensity, more difficulty. You're pushed and pulled. It seems that you're holding on by a thread. The Word of God calls us and I call you to join me regardless of what we're all going through either together in this world as we follow Jesus in these godless days or whatever your personal struggle may be or your personal tribulations. Hold steady, my friend. Don't go back. Don't let go. Don't quit. Hold fast. Keep on confessing with your mouth your hope that the Lord Jesus Christ will come through for you. Notice these great promises given to us by the Holy Spirit. In verse number 15, 
Why, these are words from the prophet Jeremiah. This is the new agreement God has made with anyone who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14, because the Lord Jesus Christ once for all died on the cross and took our sins upon himself. And because of that, because he died for us so that we might be, as it's called here, sanctified, made holy, born again. As a result of that, look what's happened. Now the promise is made. Here's a gospel promise for you. Now the law of God is inside of your heart and in your mind. Now God has eternalized the word of God and the truth of God and his laws so that you now know as a follower of Jesus what to do, what's right and what's wrong. You know, it's interesting. I've said this to you many times. In all of my years of experience watching people when they first become a believer in Jesus Christ, it's amazing the things that they'll tell you. I remember very vividly a man who had lived in great sin and great wickedness. And he came to know the Lord and he said to me, Pastor, I'm not going to go over there anymore. I didn't say it to him. I'm not going to go over there anymore because it was a place There was a place of great sin. I'm not going to say those things. You know, I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to curse anymore. He said, you know, there's some things I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going, I didn't say it to him. I didn't start with him on a pattern of saying, here's all the things you ought not to do. When he became a believer in Jesus Christ, guess what? The law of God was in his heart and in his mind. And because, as it says in verse number 17, he recognized his sins were forgiven and he embraced that promise, that gospel promise that he was forgiven of his sins. He changed the way he wanted to live and the things he wanted to say and the places he wanted to go and the people that he chose to associate with. He didn't have to be taught, well, I want to study the Bible. He picked one up and said, I want someone to teach me these words. Yes, yes, yes. When you come to know Jesus Christ, he changes you. And you know what happens? You start confessing your hope in God. Your friends start hearing you talk about how you're hoping in God because you've been forgiven of your sins and you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. How did... Peter the Apostle say it. We saw it, uh, we saw it a few weeks ago. And though you have not seen him, <clears throat> you love him. And you love him, though you have not seen him, and you believe in him with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's what it means to be saved. You are now in love with the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you believe in Him, and hopefulness starts to rise in your life. Hope in God firmly confesses confidence in His promises. I stand here today, I am firmly convinced of the promises of God, and I confess my hope to you all. I confess my confident assured hope in the promises of God. Secondly, I hope in God assuredly confessing, I'm confessing it, that He has given these promises to me. Now, we have to be careful with the Word of God. There are some times when people will talk with me and they'll go places in their Bible and they'll find places in the Old Testament and other, and they'll say, well, no, this promise is for me. And, it, and, it, and that's good to, to do that. We must, be, we must remember that promise was, promises were given to Israel that apply to Israel in ways that don't apply to us as gospel believers. 
But we have the great expanse of the gospel truths. Gospel truths, I'm speaking now with some technical words for those who are here. Gospel truths include everything from your justification to your sanctification to your glorification. Gospel truths include so many wonderful things. And those are the things about which I'm talking about that I believe that Paul is encouraging these Hebrew believers about. It has to do with us confessing our hope without wavering in what He has promised us through Jesus Christ. Yes, those other promises are wonderful from other places, but they are focused for, our focus is on gospel promises. I won't have you turn there, but let me read these wonderful words from Peter. Many of you know them that are in the room today. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Seeing His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. That's pretty amazing. If you're saved today, if you're saved today, God's power has provided to you everything, are you listening? Everything you need for life and godliness, no matter what kind of condition you're living in today. Through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted, by the glory and excellence of the Lord Jesus Christ, for by these He has, oh, this is for you now, He has granted to us, oh, church, hear me now. I'm trying to open the treasure chest. I'm trying to open this chest. He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. These are our gospel promises. This treasure chest that we have. And because of our sin being forgiven, verse 17. And now there is, because as he says in verse 18, there is no, there is a, where there is forgiveness of these things, there's no longer any need for an offering of sin. I move past offerings for sin. And now what do I do? Well, I learn because of gospel, because of gospel promises, how to come to God. Now this is important. You see, I, Number one, verse 19, I have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. That's why when you pray, you pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus through His glorious death and life and His blood, as Paul teaches us in the book of Hebrews, who's made a new way to God. It's not through animal sacrifices. It's not through legal systems. It's based on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ given to us, by our faith in Him. And now you enter the holy place. You have now, what does it say? Present, permanent fellowship with God. You have fellowship with God when you're laying on your deathbed. You have fellowship with God when you get the worst news of your life. You have fellowship with God when everybody else forsakes you. You have you have fellowship with God now as a believer in Jesus Christ when someone tries to take your life from you. And I could go on. You see, we now have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way. Oh, this way we live now under these gospel promises is so wonderful. You got up, perhaps you did, I hope you did as a follower of Jesus like myself, and you met God this morning. You met Him alone as the Lord teaches us in that quiet place, in that secret place, and you spoke with Him friend to friend. You, burden, you, you brought your burdens to Him. <clears throat> you came close to Him. 
So he, there's a new and living way inside the veil. We're in the holiest place now. And we have a great priest. We meet our great priest, our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is alive, who is gloriously alive in another dimension, another place, beyond time and space, who will come again, who's left us with the blessed Holy Spirit within us. And so we meet our great high priest and we draw near to him with a sincere heart, verse 22, in full assurance of our confidence in him and our hearts are sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. I get rid of all those things in my life that that cause my conscience to attack me and accuse me. I put aside my sin because I'm saved and I I trust the promises of God that if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I, my body is washed in pure water. I stand and my hands are clean. And my feet are clean. And my lips are clean. Because I seek to live as a godly man or woman in this world. And then I hold fast. I hold on steadily in the storms of life. And I continue to confess to everyone. The hope that I have in Jesus Christ. Because He promised. Verse 23. He promised. I want to tell you today, God is a promise keeper. Did you hear me? God is a promise keeper through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every precious word of our Lord will be kept. God is a promise keeper. And what do we see in verse 36 of chapter 10? This is for all of us today. When you have your head down, when your feet are dragging a little bit slowly, when you seem like you can't get loose, when it seems like that the trials of life have become chains and tied you down, for you, my brother or sister in Christ, you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive... What was promised? You've got some good things coming your way that you have not received yet. They are beyond our imagination. They are beyond what we can conceive. And so today I hope in God firmly I'm going to stay steady regardless of my circumstances. Not because I have some strength on my own. No, because of my faith in the promises of God, I firmly confess my hope in the promises of God. I hope in God assuredly confessing that God has given His promises to me. You see, I'm living off these gospel promises. They're for me. They're for you. Whosoever, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, that's taking a promise, will be saved. Whosoever. These promises are for you. These gospel promises are for you. And I finally end by saying, I hope in God expectantly confessing that God is faithful to keep His promises to me. He who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. I'm going to say this several times, just like you hear on the news something over and over again. He who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. God is never unfaithful in His promises. God is always perfectly, consistently, fairly giving us the promises He makes. Are you glad today that God is a God who is faithful in His promises? Anybody here?
Are you glad for the faithfulness of God? Well, I read some astounding verses in the Word of God that remind me of this. By the way, you know it in your own personal life. Many of you can stand as I can. And you can confess your hope that you've been through some dark days. And guess what? God came through. You have been, you have suffered greatly in some hard circumstances and God came through. You once in your life looked at the misery of your life and the emptiness of it and the hopelessness of your life. And at whatever age you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when someone was either preaching or someone shared a track with you, or you heard it from a friend or family member, and you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He saved you and changed you. You have experienced the faithfulness of God, and the Word of God repeatedly shows us from generation to generation, God is faithful. Listen to these astounding words. Joshua 21.45. Joshua 21.45. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord has given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Is that not an astounding statement? Not one. Not one single promise God gave to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Psalm 145, 13, the Lord always keeps his promises. Hebrews 6, 18, it is impossible for God to lie. I have lied and you have lied. And we have made commitments to people and not fulfilled our commitments. God never, never lies, and He always keeps His promises. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, Faithful is He who calls you, church. The God who saved you and called you from your sinfulness. That's why we're called the church, the called out. Faithful is He who called you, He will bring it to pass. There are gospel promises tied to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and to our salvation. And there are gospel promises tied because the end is near. The end is near. We read it here at the bottom in verse 25. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but encourage each other all the more as you see the day drawing near. There are gospel promises Pointing to the second coming of Jesus Christ. He will come again to this world. So I hope expectantly confessing that God is faithful to keep His promises to me regardless of what happens in my life. I'm speaking as a believer. So I have this great confidence and I have this great hope. Basil, one of the early pastors in the early church, second century, Basil was being martyred, and they chose to burn him to death. And so Basil cries out, this is expectancy. This is a man who understood how to live expectantly by the promises of God. He was carried off as an older man, and he was martyred. And as they were burning him, he said, burn my foot that I may dance eternally with the angels. That's either the talk of a crazy man or a man who had great hope in God. Burn my foot that I may 
dance with the angels. You see, the Christian looks beyond the world to the unseen. The Christian's confidence and hope is in what we don't see, but we have confidence in it. We believe by faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence, the confidence of things not seen. There are things not yet seen or not yet come in your life. You must live with confidence about the unseen, the unknown that is ahead. And in knowing Jesus Christ, death or life or anything in between that comes, we stand with confident expectation, assurance, and steadiness and confess our hope in Jesus Christ. So what do we need to remember today as we go? Well, some of this is repeating myself, but I give it to you again. Hope in God confesses the promises of God. Do you know the promises of God, my friend? You'll only know the, if you just count on preaching to give it to you or going to a class once a week to give it to you and you do not pick up the word of God and read the gospel promises yourself and learn God's word on your own. What a sad thing it is not to know what you've been promised. What a sad thing it is for you to live your life not knowing what Peter called these exceeding, precious, magnificent promises. You see, you have a bag full. You have bags full of promises from God. You have, you have them surrounding you, these gospel promises. They will give you joy in the midst of sorrow. They will give you hope in the midst of a hopeless world. They'll give you victory to overcome the troubles. What God promises will come to pass. They are the certainty of the things that you don't see. And hope in God, and this is very important to me to say to you as your pastor, Hope in God quiets the soul when the promise of God is delayed. You pray like I do, don't you? Lord, why? Or you pray, Lord, when? Lord, why? Lord, when? Lord, how? All of these prayers. We don't pray them with doubting. We pray them because we're seeking to wait but we expectantly pray it and we confidently believe that the Lord will help us. You see, hope calms and quiets your soul. And that's what I see as a great need among God's people today. The people of First Baptist Church. For you to experience calmness of soul and quietness because you have assured, expectant hope in God. Regardless of what comes in your own life or regardless of what comes in the world. You see, the longer you wait for God's promises, this is why heaven's so special. The longer you wait for God's promises, the sweeter they become to you. You see, hopefulness in the promises encouraged those who are our greatest examples, the martyrs. I speak about the martyrs to us because we're so unfamiliar with the martyrs of the church, even to this current day. This very day, there were those who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ who have lost their life because of their faith in Christ. Perhaps greater martyrdom, if it can be calculated by those who add these things and watch them. We're told that martyrdom today is at a, is at a greater 
increase than at any other time in Christian history. Oh, the joy, oh, the expectant joy and confidence of keeping your hope in God. You see, this is why the martyrs could say things like this. These words mean nothing. They sound like crazy words. These acts that I'm about to describe seem like silly and foolish things to do unless you understand hope in God. As one martyr said to his friend as they were about to be led away to the lions, it's a little storm, but it leads to an eternal calm. It's a little storm, but it leads to an eternal calm. What are you going through today? It's a little storm. It's a little storm. It's a little while, like Peter said. It's a little while, and then you gain the joy of the great while. What is it like to follow Jesus Christ and stand with assurance and expectation of hope in Him? If someone comes to take your life, they sang in chains. They sang in chains. Many times we have recorded of the early followers of Jesus, chained up. Chained up, including Paul and Silas, chained up. What were they doing? Singing at midnight. Some clapped their hands as they were half burned at the stake. And some called the day of their execution their wedding day. And some kissed the stake on which they were burned. So you must greet your troubles. As part of what God has for you. They set their mind on the reward of God's promises. Not on the pain of what was being inflicted on them. We modern Christians have much to learn from our brothers and sisters. So today, I declare to you again. My hope in Jesus Christ and gospel promises. Because I hold firm in my confession of hope because He who promised is faithful. And whatever comes in my life, I have no idea. You don't have any idea. Whatever comes, whatever it may be, He who promised is faithful. So what do we do? We live in the joy of of our hope and the promises of God. Only those who are saved will do what I'm talking about. This is, this is a mark of salvation. If you're not saved, this sounds rather strange what I'm saying. And I, I'm not being disrespectful. But you see, if you're not saved, you're a hopeless person. You have no hope. You're hopeless. You live in hopelessness. You live not in despair, in hopelessness. This is why the conditions of so many in the world are so, are so sad. They have looked around and said, there's nothing here. No, there's nothing here. You're right. There's nothing here in the world. You must look to Jesus and be saved. You must look to Him and be saved out of your hopelessness. Live in the joy, my Christian friend, of hope in God because you have believed by faith in Him and you have gospel promises. They are yours. They're worth more than life. It's the joy of the pearl of great prize, the Lord Jesus, knowing Him and His promises, stand on those promises and confess those promises. Someone this week, someone this week needs to hear you confess a gospel promise. 
It might change their life. You may, from your own confession of your hope, give someone else the opportunity to believe in the promises of God and join you in being a hopeful one in God in the midst of a hopeless world without hope. So let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. I love you, my friends. He who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. If he made the promise, he'll keep it.